0: This morning I've titled my message "Serve the Lord without distraction." As we continue the work our way through First Corinthians, uh, we're already up to chapter seven. it's like, wow, it seems like it just started this. Corinthians, you know I've heard many people talk about or preachers or teachers speak of the Corinthian church as the honoriest church in the New Testament Amen. And they were an ornery bunch. Corinth was, the city of Corinth was known for its sinfulness. And it's just, you know, so many ways. They were, they were very ornery. So they were known to be ornery. And so when they come into the church, I mean, you know, we kind of was talking about this downstairs in Sabbath school. God came to save that which was lost, right? Amen. Amen. He came to seek and save those that were lost. I mean, if we were all well, we were all. Righteous, he would not have had to come. If we were all well, we wouldn't need to go to the doctor, right? Right. We only go to the doctor because we're sick. He came because we were sick with sin. Amen. Right. amen. So he came for the honriest of us, amen. right? Praise he came. <laughs> amen, brother. He came for the most honri among us. And hey, Gary says, so "That's me. I'm getting an amens all over the place this morning because we're all honri. But praise God. No matter how honorary we were, his sins or his, his grace is sufficient to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Amen? Amen? The Corinthian church had written a letter to Paul. Of course, we know that this book is a letter back to them, but they had written the letter to them. It says in first, the first chapter, or the first verse, rather. Now, concerning the things of which you wrote to me. So they had questions. They said they were honorary. They wanted to know should we be doing this or should we do that? What should we do? So this, they were asking for guidance from Paul in their Christian walk, how they should live. And as we read through this scripture, I, I broke it up into two different, I'm going to read verses 8 through 16, and I'm going to pick up 17 through, I think, 30-something. But as we read through this, you're going to see places where Paul says that I command you. Another place says, and not I, but the Lord. One place he says, I have no command from the Lord, yet I give you this judgment as one whom the Lord in His mercy has made trustworthy. Are you picking that up? He's saying that the Lord has entrusted me to give good judgment. You know, there are those among us, there's those that we know that we can trust because we have seen the lies that they've lived, we've heard their teaching, we know that we can trust that they could give us good advice. Children, listen to your parents because they often will give you very good advice. i got heads nodding now. But we know that we can trust many. And we can trust their judgment. God had given Paul the wisdom and the knowledge to guide and direct the church. But not everything that he gave was a direct command from God. But he's saying, I judge you, or I give you commandment in this, or I guide you in that. And we can accept that because he is a trustworthy leader. Let's go ahead and begin with the Scripture. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 8 through 16 to begin with. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now to the married I command, yet not I but the Lord, a wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if a brother has a wife who does not believe, and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let, him not, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, so that means if they are unwilling to stay, well, I'm not staying with this. Oh, they're done. don't us talking about Jesus. I don't want to hear that. So if the unwilling believer departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us, to peace for how do you know o oh wife whether you will save your husband or how do you know o oh husband whether you will save your wife may god add his blessings to the hearing and the reading of his word let us go to the lord in prayer father god we do thank you and praise you for for your word father we know that your word is our our blueprint our guide for, for living our lives and for living them in a way that is faithful unto you and Father, may Your Spirit speak to our hearts today. May we live lives that are pleasing and, uh, unto You, Father God. And just, I just pray that Your Spirit would be in our midst. Open our hearts and our minds to receive what You have for us today for Your glory and for Your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Apostle Paul begins by advising the Corinthian believers that if they're unmarried or if they're widows, that it would be good for them if they could remain that way but only if they would not burn with passion if they you know just could not handle being unmarried i mean face it a lot of people need to have someone they need someone with them someone to share their lives with the passage before this scripture paul says that it is perfectly proper honorable and morally benefiting For a man to live a life of strict celibacy, though he is not teaching there that it is more honorable than being married. One is not more honorable than the other. Both marriage and being unmarried are honorable. So those that are unmarried don't feel less honorable or greater than or more honorable than those that are married. If you're married, don't feel unhonorable. You are honorable before God. In Hebrews thirteen four it says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. My friends, if it were not for marriage, how else would we have populated the earth, right? Right. Matthew nineteen, ten through twelve says his disciples said to him, if such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But He, Jesus, said to them, All cannot accept this saying, but only those whom it has been given. So it is not acceptable for all to live a life of celibacy, only those whom it has been given. He says, For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. Eunuch, as it's used here in this passage here in Matthew, means one who voluntarily chooses to live a life of celibacy. He chooses that path. As Paul says, though, not everyone is meant, not everyone is cut out to live that kind of life. I definitely was not cut out to live that kind of life. I wanted a wife and I love my wife and I enjoy having a wife. But celibacy can be a choice in life. But sometimes it can be in a condition imposed by circumstances or by others. Karen shared a little story this week that she's seen somewhere on her message thing. And she shared it and laughed. I said, whoa, send that to me because it works in my message. While attending a marriage weekend for couples, Frank and his wife, Anne, listened to the... Preacher declare, It is essential that husbands and wives know the things that are important to each other. Then he asked the men, Can you name and describe your wife's favorite flower? Frank leaned over, touched his wife's hand on the arm gently, and he whispered, Gold Meadow, all purpose, isn't it? <laughs> Thus began Frank's life of celibacy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's probably something I would say. <laughs> you to me? I kid. <laughs> Gold medal. Yeah. Yep. Poor old Frank. <laughs> All right. After I compose myself, we'll continue. <laughs> God loves laughter. Does he not? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I'm the guy that my wife can get a haircut and get it colored even, and it'll take me a week and a half to notice. So, <laughs> if I'm lucky, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, someone else, somebody might out to me. Hey, boy, Karen's hair looked good. I'm like, what, what did she do to it? <laughs> that would be my son-in-law, cause he does, as soon as he walks through the door. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's been fun. <laughs> oh, my. Where was I? You know, there are those that will question whether the Apostle Paul was ever married. I personally have always just reasoned or thought in my mind that he was never married. But the truth is, the Bible does not give a definitive answer to whether he was or not. It is very evident that at the time of this writing, that he was not. Because he said, if they could remain as I am. Meaning, that at that time he was at least without a wife at that time. But some suggest there is slight possibility that he may have been married at one time or another. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 3-6, through 6, it says, This is my answer to those who question my authority. Do we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring a Christian wife with us as the other disciples and the Lord's brothers do and Peter does? So the other disciples... Obviously, were married and their wives went with them on their missionary journeys. When? As they went out and ministered. And he says, Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves and can't bring our wives? Now, he didn't actually say it that way, but with this passage in mind, I don't know that that bears enough evidence to say that Paul was absolutely married. But, it, you know, was he just defended maybe for Barnabas' sake? That Barnabas could take his wife along? Or was it just a general question? I don't know. He may have been married at some point, but it's really irrelevant. We know that he was faithful. We know that he served God with all of his heart. Like like David, served God with all of his heart, loved him with all of his heart. Verses 12 through 14 said, But to the rest I, not the Lord, say, If any man, any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let him not divorce her. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. You know, as I shared last week... These are normal people. The people of Corinth are normal people struggling with many of the same issues that people struggle with today. You know, and oftentimes, a person will become a believer after they had been married for some years. So, there's often the case where neither was a believer and then one became a believer. So, they had this question. Well, what am I to do? Am I to stay with this Husband that does not believe, or am I to stay with this woman that does not believe? You know, they have this newfound faith, and they're just they're hungering to serve the Lord in a way that is faithful. But they're saying, Can I continue, can I serve the Lord faithfully and be married to this unbeliever? There's this question of cleanliness or unclean. So they're even wondering in their mind if I am with this unbeliever and they're unclean, does that make me unclean? Paul says, no. They are sanctified through the believer. They're saying, should I divorce this spouse so that I can be more faithful to the Lord? Friends, that's a legitimate question. Because in 2 Corinthians, it says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? What part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, because this is an Old Testament reference, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. They knew that. That was from Isaiah. So they had been taught that. They were concerned about their cleanness being yoked together with an unbelieving spouse. Some verses of Scripture are just hard to interpret, hard to understand. When Paul says that the unbelieving husband is sanctified by his wife or the unbelieving wife is sanctified by her husband, that is one of those difficult verses. Because the word sanctified means to make Holy to separate from the world and be consecrated to God. So just by being married to a believer, does that mean that they were holy, consecrated to God, made clean? That's what Paul said. They were made clean through the believing spouse. Is it possible that one is saved through their believing spouse? That is not what Paul said, did he? We have to see how this passage lines up with other scriptures. Romans 14, 12 says, So then each of us, individually, each of us shall give account of himself to God, each person. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So anyone, individually, if you desire to follow Christ, we must take up our cross and follow Him. You cannot bear that cross for someone else. There are plenty of other passages that confirm the idea that a one person's faith cannot save another person. It is clear that individuals must place their faith in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior to be saved. A couple of weeks ago we learned how the entire household of Pontifer was blessed by the presence of Joseph in the house, right? Joseph was bought, he was a slave, but that entire household prospered because of Joseph being there. Because of God pouring out His blessings upon Joseph, Pontifer experienced great blessings. So would not the same principle apply to a married couple, with one being a believer and one being an unbeliever? God's blessings being poured out upon that believing spouse is going to be enjoyed by that husband or that wife that doesn't believe. They may see financial blessings. They might see blessings in their children. They might see many types of blessings enjoyed because of their believing spouse. True? Amen. Paul himself verifies that when he says the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, that he is not meaning the unbelieving one is saved. He said, For if he had meant or if he had meant this, he wouldn't have said in verse sixteen, How do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Right? right. He answers the question How do you know that you will not save your husband? That is the the hope of saving that ungodly spouse. Is reasoning enough to stay with them. That's reason enough to stick it out if they are willing to stay. Stay with them. It may take many, many, many years. There was a dear, there is a dear woman of God. Her name is Pat, and her husband was Freddie. And this was back when we went the Holy Cross. That she was just a a wonderful prayer warrior. I, I know this woman knew her Bible. She studied her Bible. Her husband was an unbeliever. Freddie was an unbeliever, and when she would. Come, the home Bible study we had, you know, we did that every year for a long time. And she would just, you know, ask us, again, you know, pray for for Freddie. Pray for Freddie. You know, he just doesn't believe. And this was, I think, for 35 years. He was willing to stay with her. But for 35 years, he did not believe. For 35 years, though, he saw her praying to God. He saw her reading her Bible. He saw her being faithful in church. He saw her live out the life before Him. Saw her faithfulness to God. And I can stand here and say praise be to God that He came to believe in Jesus Christ. But it was only like maybe 5 to 10 years after He became a believer that He passed. 35 years. How many would have given up it's just too hard. But she stayed with him and he stayed with her. And she prayed for him and many prayed for him. So it's worth it to stay with that unbeliever. So that's why he's saying, stay as you are. Don't divorce that unbelieving husband. What if through your walk he believes? Stick it out. That may be why he allowed you two to marry because He knew that you were a believer and you would save that spouse, whether it be him or her. Let's continue with the second half of our reading, 17 through 35. But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. I don't know how you would do that. I can see the other way around, right? Was anyone called while uncircumcised, let him not be circumcised. Okay, I, under, I get that one. The other one, yeah. anyway. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who... He who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, Let each one remain with God in that state in which he was called. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in His mercy has made trustworthy. Again, we see that. Same thing in the first passage. "'I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh.' but I would spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Women are saying, oh no. Be as though though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be without care. He's saying, I want you to be without the cares of this world. Be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord. How he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of this world. How he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord. That she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. I know, that was a long reading. God has distributed to each one. As the Lord has called each one of us, that is the way we should walk. That's the way He has ordained it. God has distributed. The Greek word, Greek word for distributed is merezo. And it means to apportion. To disunite. It means be difference, a difference between. Do you not know that we are all different? Do you not know that we are all uniquely made as God has designed us? In the image of God. With that Greek meaning distribute. You could reread that verse like this. But as God has designed the differences between each of us. As the Lord has called each one. So let him walk. So as God has called each of us. To be unique. To be different. That is the way we should walk brothers and sisters. Praise God we're not all the same. Because if we were all the same. We'd all be dressed alike wearing the same color clothes, we're driving the same color cars, we would like the same things, it would be an awful boring place, wouldn't it? But God has a wonderful sense of humor because look, He created me. He created Harry. Created John. Created Barbara. Created Jeff. We're all uniquely different. He has a sense of humor. Paul's called for stability and contentment among believers regardless of their station in life. That's what he's saying. Be content with where you are when you were called. If you were a slave, be okay with that. Yes, if you can be free, that's good. But how do you not know that you will save your master? Right? How do you not know that your witness would save that master? If you were the most faithful servant, the most faithful slave, whatever it is, you did your work, you were faithful about it, and he's seen you praying as Freddie's seen his wife. Pat praying, you don't know that you won't save that master. But if you're saved while you're free, again, as he said, consider yourself Christ's servant, Christ's slave. Be content with where you are, what you are. Be happy with who you are. We should allow God to work in us in whatever position or place or station we find ourselves in our lives. the Lord may have placed you where you are right now to accomplish His ministry, His calling on your life. He needs people that are single, yes. But He also needs people that are married. He needs people that are slaves. He needs people that are free. He needs people that are poor, that are rich. He needs people in every area of life to minister to those around them in whatever station they find himself. Maybe your unbelieving spouse is going to believe because of your faith. Paul discusses that those who are married are concerned with how they may please their spouses versus those who are unmarried can spend all their time focusing on the Lord. Now You know, as pastors, since I know there's a number of pastors in here, it can be hard on a spouse. It really can. You know, pastors, yes, yeah, sometimes... You know, I know they only work one hour a week. I mean, how many times have we heard that, right? They get up here. She works two hours a week, right? She's got two churches. Yeah. She works two hours a week. I only got to work one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm longer than that. Sorry. You, hey. <laughs> Anyhow, it can be hard. It can be hard juggling that time. It can. Because when you're married, yes. You've got to allow time for your wife or your husband. But pastors, you know, their lives can be so hectic at some times. Some weeks may be normal. You know, we just put our many hours in preparing our sermons, and then we come and we do our hours work. But other weeks can be crazy. You might have numerous hospital visits. You might have many home visits. You might have a funeral, maybe two. You throw that in the mix of the normal hecticness, and then where do you squeeze in the time for your spouse? Karen says, yeah, yeah, sometimes I get this much. And that's just the way it is. But if Paul just told me to serve the Lord like I'm not even married. He did. Serve the Lord with all that is within us. Praise God for a spouse that has partnered with me in ministry. Amen. Praise God for the spouses that have partnered in ministry. Partnered in ministry. That does help. That does make it easier. But we are to serve the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all that is within us, wherever we are, whether we are a pastor, whether we are just a mom and dad, no matter what our occupation, we are to serve Him with all of our heart, with no distractions. That's difficult, isn't it? And am I going to tell you how to do it? (laughs) No. Get on your knees and ask Him how to do it. Get on your knees and ask him how to do it, because I haven't quite figured it out myself to how to juggle my time. But I do pray for the guidance, you know how to how to serve him faithfully, how to make sure I can please my spouse, keep her a little bit happy. Because if Mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Right? Come on, now we all live in homes. We got kids, right? No, but we do want to. You know, we, we enjoy being married. We love our spouses. and but we do have the cares of this world. But that doesn't make us less holy. That doesn't make us less honorable. Because God called us. God called me while I was married. Right? He didn't tell me to get out of that. And I'm, now I want you. So that means He can use us for His glory. Wherever He called us. So be faithful. That's the main thing. Be faithful. He'll help adjust our times. He'll help us to be able to serve Him in the way that He has called us to do when we surrender to Him. That's the key. Surrendering our time. Surrendering our marriages. Surrendering whatever relationship to Him. And He will help us to be faithful and serve Him. Amen?